Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. They're crazy. No, but it's so, it's so fun um, what's happening in Kids Church. But for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jesse, and my husband, Kyle, was the hunk playing the guitar earlier today. Come on, hello. But we have the awesome pleasure of being able to lead and pastor the kids and our youth in this church. And I just want to say, God is doing something in our young people. Guys, I've never seen what's happening in kids and youth happen in any other kids and youth context I've ever been a part of. Um, In kids' church, we're seeing kids build friendships and build relationships, and they're learning about what the Bible says, and they're actually learning how to apply it to their lives. And it's not just ideas, but it's reality for them. And what's most powerful, I've noticed the past few weeks, is that in our worship, as you saw, they're just raising their hands hands and seeking the Lord so earnestly, but what's so cool is the power of God and the presence of God is showing up. I've been in tears. Kyle has been in tears just leading worship with our kids, but God is present with our kids. He is moving in our kids' ministry and in their hearts, and they are so full of faith. So come on, God is moving in our kids' church, but also in our youth, God is also moving and doing amazing things. Come on, didn't they do an amazing job leading us in worship? Come on, yeah, let's give them a big shout, Cloud. Come on, youth, you guys did amazing. And what's cool to see is that in youth group, we're also just seeing such an authentic wave of seeking Jesus together. It's so genuine and it's so authentic and they're just coming with their lives and where they're at and their struggles or the parts that they're doing well. And they're just coming and they're just talking about the Bible together. And it's been so cool. And as Pastor Ryan mentioned, on Wednesdays on February 9th, we're going to be switching from a small group thing that we're doing right now, and we're going to launch a youth service. Come on. And there's going to be worship, word, but then they're going to be able to split off into their small groups to keep doing life on life together and being able to see encouragement from one another and accountability and pray over one another and just to keep that real personal and following Jesus together um, aspect of Christianity going. So come on. It's super cool. God is moving in our kids and in our youth. And like that verse said, Jesus says that let the little children come to me. His presence and his kingdom and everything that he has is for kids. So come on. God is moving. And I want to encourage you, if you guys feel like God has been putting on your heart to be a part of our kids or our youth, but our kids, especially our kids team, but you've kind of been putting that off, I want to encourage you, now's the time. God is moving. I want to personally invite you to come and steward and come and see what God is doing and just be part of it with us. So Come on, that's my plug. So come on, kids, woo! <laughs> so good. But come on, this, um, this theme that we've been going through this month, I'm just going to kind of share with you guys what we've been talking about in kids and youth a little bit. And the theme has been remote um, control and learning how, just how to live with uh, self-control in our lives. But come on, I've brought my Switch controller. Come on, who here has a Switch? Let me hear it. Come on, so good. But come on, there's been a really interesting wave of everybody buying a Switch and borrowing Switches. Switches are everywhere. They're like the old-fashioned Game Boys. Come on, 90s babies, Tamagotchis. Everybody had one. So come on, everybody seems to have a Switch these days. So one thing I've learned hanging out with our youth and um, whenever me and Isabella hangs out, we always play Minecraft. And what I've learned is that they're really good at playing the Switch. And watching them play Minecraft, they can change where they're looking 
running and they're building walls and they're taking things down and they're running and flying. And honestly, I get so dizzy watching them. (laughs) Like I used to be pretty good at video games when I was in high school. Now watching them play, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And I'm dizzy. I'm just going to go to the bathroom and throw up a little bit and then come back. But they are so good, and they are masters at controlling their little worlds and masters at the switch. And as I got thinking about this Sunday and this idea of remote control, it got me thinking. Um, in today's society, it seems like we all have a lot of control over our lives, right? We can literally turn on a button on a console and take this doohickey thing and have control over an entire world, over what people do in the world, over what they say, what time they go to bed, when they eat, whatever. We can turn on a console and have complete control over an entire world at the touch of a button and at our fingertips. And it got me thinking, in this world today where it seems like we have so much control, it challenged me and it made me think, who's in control of my life? What's in control of my life? It may seem like I have a lot of control with technology and I can turn on a button and change things and make things do whatever I want them to do, but who has control over my life? Do we ever stop to think that? What determines what I do? What is the thing that's determining what I say and how I treat others and where I'm going in my life and what I value, what I want to pursue? What has control of our lives? And in the Bible, we see that there are two things that are actually contending and fighting for control in our lives. In Galatians 5, um, chapter 5, verse 17, it says this, The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So in this verse, we see the two things. We see that there's sin that wants to do evil in our lives is contending for control, but then there's also the spirit who wants the opposite of sin. So if sin wants evil, then we know that the spirit wants good for our lives. He wants God things for our lives, okay? So we have these two things that are contending for control over our lives. And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm just going to lay out what life is like when we let sin take control and what life is like when we let the Spirit take control. And we're just going to explore that a little bit together this morning, all right? All right, here we go. So the first thing we have is our sin, our sinful nature. Basically defined, sin is choosing our wants and our ways before God's wants and God's ways. So essentially, sin is putting ourselves before God. Okay, and so if we're not careful, it starts in our desires and in what we want, and then it slowly starts to creep into what we do, how we think, and then it kind of takes control over our habits and how we end up living our lives and where our life is going to end up. So if we're not careful, sin is going to take control over our lives and determine what we do and where we end up. And there's a story in the Bible that really illustrates this really well, and it's the story of Cain and Abel. So we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 4, but to give some context real quick, this is a story where Cain and Abel, they're two brothers, and they both bring an offering of worship to God. And what happens is God ends up saying, hey, Abel, I accept and like your sacrifice, but God never accepted Cain's sacrifice. And so this leaves Cain frustrated because he just wants to be accepted by God. So this is what happens in Genesis 4, verse 6 to 7. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right... Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you and rule over you. 
So here God warns Cain, Cain, sin is crouching at your door, and if you don't rule over it, it's going to take control and rule over you. And this idea of sin crouching, crouching, crouching at Cain's door in his life, it gives us this really cool picture of what sin's reality is. Okay, so let's just break it down. So the word crouching in that um, phrase, crouching at your door, crouching in the Hebrew means that it is just resting but ready for action. So we may think that it's no big deal, it's one time, sin doesn't care, but it's resting, but it's actually ready for action, okay? And then door in Hebrew literally means opening. So we have a picture of how sin is ready and is waiting to have any opportunity to have access into our lives, to take advantage of it and to rule over it, okay? So an opening for sin in our lives may be what we do, how we think, how we speak, Or even in Cain's case, it can even be our attitudes. So here sin is resting and waiting at any opportunity, okay, to come and take control over our lives. And so to illustrate uh, this, I've got a couple of fun uh, pictures. Fun pictures? Pictures. Okay, those can come up on the screen. Right about now, this is our new puppy, Sage. Come on. We got her uh, three weeks ago, and she's super cute until she doesn't sleep at night. And then she's not so cute at all. But come on, when we first got her, we were like, sweet, we have a puppy. My parents have two dogs. We're like, we're just going to take her over, let her say hi, and let her socialize with my parents' two dogs. But they weren't huge fans of it. They're old and grumpy. I get it. They don't want to play with a young toddler of a dog. So they ended up ignoring her, and Sage became interested in my parents' cat, Baloo. And so Baloo, being a cat, wasn't a fan as well. So he started the night just ignoring her and trying to flee from her. But then what happened as the night kept on going on is Baloo started to follow her and started to sit and watch her like this. See how he's crouching? there and he's just watching her and we were looking at this and at first it was like oh no big deal Baloo's just like sitting there just trying to sniff just trying to get the feel of what Sage is going to do but then as we watched him anytime Sage would turn her head he'd like get ready to pounce he would just like start to flinch and go like this anytime Sage would leave an open spot or seem to be vulnerable and then Sage would go and look right away and he'd stop he was like, oh, that wasn't an opening. I'm going to stop. And I think this is such an important illustration of what sin is. It may seem like sin is just sitting there, innocent, not going to do much, but then it waits for an opening and a moment that we're vulnerable, and it starts to pounce. It starts to flinch. It's resting but ready for action, and it's looking for an opening and for a part, uh, part of vulnerability in our life, okay, a moment when we're vulnerable. So God warns that to Cain. He's saying, Cain, Sin is resting, but it's, it's ready. It's waiting, and it's ready to come and take control to show you who's boss and to show you who rules the house, okay? So Cain has a choice in this moment, to open up a door for sin to have control in his life, in his life or to do what is right. Instead of doing what he may want in this situation, to do what God wants him to do, to take control of sin before sin can take control of him. Okay, so we see Cain's choice in Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So this is Cain's choice. In dwelling on his anger and jealousy, Cain left an opening for sin in his life. He let sin take control, and he acts on his anger. And instead of doing what is right, he chooses to do what is wrong and kills his brother Abel. And as I was telling my uh, husband Kyle this story, he just kept giggling the whole time, thinking, Cain just has a warning from God. Watch out. 
Sin's going to take control. Make sure you do what's right. And then Cain goes and is like, okay, I got it, God. Do what is right. Sin is crouching at my door. It's ready to take control. I get it. I get it. I know what the right thing to do here is. I know how to get accepted by God. I'm going to take my brother out to the field and kill him. What? Cain, like, that is such a silly decision. You think that that's what's doing what is right in the situation? And so when he does this, when he lets sin come into his life and to take control, we see that there are two things that happens in Cain's life. First is that sin causes destruction. It causes suffering and pain in his life. Genesis chapter 4, 9 to 12, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? He re- uh, I don't know, Cain replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Kind of sassy, Cain, but okay. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its, its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. So Cain once lived in a life of security, of peace, and in fruit, fruitfulness. But now because of his sin, his life would be restless. His life would be defined by struggles, by suffering, by pain that he had never encountered before. And he would struggle just to live life well, just to be able to do what he's always done, go to work, wake up in the morning, talk to his wife, take care of his kids, just to do the normal life things he's always done. There would be struggle. He would struggle to do it. And in Galatians 5, it tells us that there's a type of life that comes from choosing to let sin take control of your life. And I really like this verse because it goes past our actions and what we do and how we spend our times, but it goes under the surface and it shows us just how sin impacts and affects every area of our life. So let's read it in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. It says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming but never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, and then the author says, I could go on. So we see that sin, when it's in control of our lives, it causes struggle. It causes suffering. It causes us to live a life where we can't find rest, and there's pain, and there's things that we never thought we'd encounter in our lives. Okay, so first it causes destruction and suffering and pain in our lives. But there's also a second thing that sin does when we allow it to take control. And in Cain's story, we see that it caused a separation between him and God. Let's jump back into Genesis 9. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment. So after God just said, you're not going to be able, there's going to be suffering and toil. Cain says, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. So because of his sin, Cain was exiled. He was exiled from the place where he lived in relationship with God. He was exiled from God's presence. And he knew that the trajectory of his life would now cause him to be able to, to be unable to see or hear God or to feel his presence. 
In choosing sin, it caused Cain to, Cain, Cain, wow, to live a life that was separated from God, far from his presence, and no longer in relationship with him. Proverbs 4.12 says this, There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. And death in the Hebrew literally means separation. So when we choose what may seem right to us and feel good to us in the moment, and it may be what we want, but we know it's not what God wants, it causes a separation between us and God. There's a quote by Francis Frown Japan in his book, Holiness, Truth, and the Presence of God, and it says this, When we sin against God, we unconsciously erect a barrier between heaven and ourselves. We may still go to church, but a sense of distance and artificiality emerges in our heart. Each of those defenses we have erected to keep God out ultimately walls us into our sins. And eventually our walls toward God imprison us outside of his divine presence, trapping the soul in outer darkness. So sin, when it has control of our lives, it separates us from God. And it causes distance from him and keeps us from being able to run into his presence. It keeps us from being able to see or or hear him. It causes us to doubt if he's even there, if he even cares for us. And it makes us believe that he can't even see us or hear us in our struggling and in our pain. We're stuck in this darkness without God and with no way back to him. And that's the tricky part about sin is that it may feel right or good to us in the moment. It may feel like freedom to be able to do whatever we want, to live how we want, to say whatever we want without no checks or boundaries. But then what happens is one day we look at our lives and we see the wake of sin's destruction in our life. We see the broken relationships. We see the mental struggles, the anxiety, the pain, and we feel like we've come to the end of ourselves, and we feel so separated from God as if there's no way that he could see us or hear us or that he even cares for the fact that we're struggling, and we don't even try to reach out to him because we're like, God's not even there. We're so far from him, I, don't, I can't even believe that he's there for me. And then we wonder, how did I get here? How did I get to this place of brokenness, of pain, of suffering? How did I get here? This isn't where I intended to be. This isn't the life that I wanted to live. And so though it may feel good or right in the moment to choose our way and it feels like we're in control, we have to recognize this we're not free. Sin has control of our lives. John 8.34 says that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. We're slaves with no real choice. Okay, and it'll keep us on this road of destruction. It'll keep us um, in this life of experiencing suffering and pain. And it'll keep us on this path of being far from God with no way out for ourselves. So this is what sin does. It keeps us in the life of the same mistakes, of the same pain, and the same struggles. And it doesn't give us a choice to get out on our own. Okay, so that's the life of sin. Now, really quick, we're going to look at the life, um, what it's like when we give when we give our lives to the Spirit, and we let Him be in control. And so the verse we read in Galatians earlier says that the Spirit desires what is opposite to the flesh or to, the, to our sin. It says, the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what sinful nature desires. 
So we can know then that a life controlled by the Spirit of God wants us to experience life, not death, truth, not deception, healing, not brokenness, holding, not wholeness, not pain, peace, not anxiety, love, not hate, and intimacy with God and a life in his presence instead of being separated from him. Romans 8, 6 says that the thoughts of a person ruled by, by sin brings death, but the mind ruled by the Spirit, when the Spirit has control, brings life and peace. And so what happens when we give control to the Holy Spirit of our lives is that he begins to work in us. He begins to change our desires. In Philippians 2.13, it says that God works in us to give us the desires and the power to do what pleases him. So the Holy Spirit begins to work in the depths of our hearts. So in, in order uh, of feeling Instead of feeling all the things that we want and the things that put ourselves above God and wanting those things, things, the Spirit begins to come into our lives and say, no, start to want what God wants. This is what God wants for you. And he begins to bring those desires and those wants to do God's will over our own um, into our lives. But then the cool thing, so God gives us the desires by his Holy Spirit, but he also gives us the power to do what pleases him. And the power of the Holy Spirit to do what pleases God is actually in self-control. In Galatians 5.22, it says that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So in order to live a life of self-control, we need the Holy Spirit to come and give us the power to have self-control in our lives. And so then we can actually start to choose in our everyday lives to do what God wants and to live God's way instead of to do what we want and live our way. And it may seem like self-control is a bummer. Like, okay, you mean I can't go do that thing? I can't go watch that movie? I can't go binge on all the popcorn I want to eat? I can't go do these things? But we have to realize is that self-control doesn't want to take, the spirit doesn't want to take anything good away from our lives. But it actually has the power to protect us from sin. To close any door, any opening for sin in our lives. And it protects us from the destruction and from the suffering and pain that sin wants to have in our lives. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, Like a city that is broken down and without walls, leaving it unprotected, is a man who has no self-control over his spirit and sets himself up for trouble. So without self-control, we leave our lives open and vulnerable to the control of sin and to the suffering and pain and destruction that it wants to cause in our lives. But with the Holy Spirit, it gives us the power to have self-control. And instead of building walls against God, we begin to build walls against sin. So we're now protected from sin's control and the devastating effects that it wants to have in our lives. It puts a barrier between us and protects us from sin. So how do we go from this life of sin to the Spirit? How do we go from a life that's controlled by our own wants and our own desires that leads us to destruction and to suffering and pain and makes us feel far from God and we end up in a place that we never wanted to be in the first place? How do we go from there to a life controlled by the Spirit that leads us into a life uh, that's defined by peace? And where we actually get to enjoy a relationship with God and we get to feel his presence and we get to see him moving and we get to hear his voice speaking truth over our lives. How do we get there? There's only one way we get there and his name is Jesus. Come on. He sets us free from sin. We look in Luke 4. It says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free. Then Jesus began to speak. This is fulfilled. This scripture, these words are fulfilled this very day. Jesus is the one who sets us free. He sets those who are oppressed and enslaved to sin and feel pain and suffering and have no way out. He is the one who sets that person free. Colossians 1:19 to 22 says this, for God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. It includes you who were his enemies, separated from him by all your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Guys, this is what Jesus does. He takes the one who was a slave and sets them free. Who takes the one who's living a life defined by pain and suffering and makes them whole and healed. He is the one who takes the one who is anxious and gives them peace. He is the one who takes the person who is far from God, who can't hear him or see him or have any hope. And he is the one who brings them into the very presence of God, whole and healed without fault. This is what Jesus does in our lives, and he did it by dying on the cross for you and for me. And then he rose three days later and conquered sin, conquered death. This is what Jesus does in our lives. He sets us free. Jesus sets us free. But the thing is, is we know that we're human and we make mistakes, but we have to choose to stay free. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So here's the thing, is that Jesus came to set us free, but we can't use this freedom to just go back to a life of sin. To choose to put those, that, that, the shackles and the burdens and the pain and the suffering back on our lives. We have to choose to completely give up our old lives in sin and choose to run to Jesus and give our whole lives, our whole lives to him so he can do what only he can and bring freedom in every single area of our lives that was once ruled and enslaved to sin. Really quick, there's this another story in Genesis of a man named Lot, and he was living in a life defined by sin where people could do whatever they wanted, and it was causing suffering and destruction in the lives of people. And God knew that he wanted, he was going to de- destroy that because it, couldn't, it was causing so much pain and suffering that he couldn't let it go on anymore, but he wanted to save Lot. He had mercy on Lot and wanted to save him from, from the suffering and, and the pain that this sin was causing. And in Genesis 19:17, God tells Lot to run for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere in the valley, but escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. Lot had to choose to run, but not just run and look back and then run and look back or run and stop for a little bit. He had to run. 
and keep running and keep going until he made it to that place of salvation, until he made it to that place where there was no sin and no suffering and he was safe and secure in the power and salvation of God. We have to choose to run to run and keep running to Jesus, who is the one who saves us and set us free, who is the one who holds the power of God's salvation. We have to run to him and not turn back to our old life. We have to run to him and not stop somewhere in the middle where our life is at least a little bit better, but there's still some sin in our lives, but we're not actually completely free. We can't stop at a place in the middle. We have to run and keep running until we see salvation and freedom in every single area of our lives that was once ruled by by sin. And this is the cool thing, is that when we run to Jesus, he not only sets us free, but he helps us stay free. And that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. What we just talked about is that when we give our lives to Jesus, he sends us the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, who will teach us the truth, who will show us the right way so we can actually choose a better life than the life that we had once chosen sin and for ourselves. This is what Jesus wants to do in each of your lives today. He wants to set you free. So I'm going to challenge you guys this morning with the same question that challenged me as I was preparing. Who's in control of your life? Who has the controller? What is the thing that is determining what you say, how you think, your attitudes, how you treat others, how you are a husband to your wife or a wife to your husband or a father or mother to your kid or a friend to those in your community? Who's the one that holds the control of your lives? Maybe you're here and you're a follower of Jesus or maybe you're not, but you know that you've given sin the control of your life. And you're over here experiencing the suffering and the pain and the, the burdens and all the struggles you never once experienced and you feel far away from God. I want to tell you today that you can take this controller, you can take it back and give it to Jesus today so that you can be free, free from sin, free from suffering, free from pain, free from anxiety, free from whatever is holding you back and holding you down. You can give your remote control to Jesus and he'll set you free and he'll give you the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray for you today. And I want to encourage you, if you want if you want to make that decision today, whether you have before and got sucked back into sin or you never have before, to take this controller and take it away from sin and give it to Jesus, you can do that today. There's only two things that the Bible tells us we have to do. The first is we have to believe in our heart. We have to believe that Jesus really did die on, on the cross and he really rose again to set us free. And then we have to make that decision in our heart, okay, Jesus, I'm going to give you the control. It's a decision we make in our hearts. And when we've made that decision, the Bible says all we have to do is say it out loud. We just got to share it with somebody because there's power when we share it because we become part of a bigger community. We can now have other people to help us follow Jesus and to help us experience freedom. So I'm, I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes for a moment. You guys can stay seated. And if there's any of you here that want to make that decision that, that you're experiencing suffering and pain and burdens that you just can't carry anymore, you know you've given your life to sin and you don't want to do it anymore and you want to give that remote control and give it to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond right now. There's nobody watching. I just want to know who I'm praying for, so I'm looking. But there's nobody around you watching. 
and you guys can go ahead and raise up your hand, whether you follow Jesus or not, but you want to take that controller back and give it to Jesus and be set free today, you can do that. So on the count of three, you can raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, anybody in the room? Come on, that's awesome. That's awesome. There's a few kiddos. That's amazing. Come on, let me pray pray for you guys for a moment. Dear Jesus, I just pray for everybody here and anyone listening online, Lord God, who may have been impacted by uh, your word today, Lord God, who are, who are living lives in suffering and pain, Lord God, and in slavery and bondage to sin and feel far away from you and just want to be close to you once again, Lord God. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, will you come and draw near to them? Jesus, will you come and reveal your salvation and your freedom to them, Lord God? Will you meet them right where they're at today? And may they know, Jesus, that you've come to set them free. You've come to give them life and peace, and they can give you the remote control right now, Lord God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are, and that over and over again, you want to set us free. Over and over again, you want to save us from a life of destruction um, so that we can experience and live in life live in truth. So come on, Lord Jesus. I just thank you for who you are. And I thank you for what you're doing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, come on. If you guys gave your life to Jesus today online or in person, there's a slide that's going to come up that has a phone number. And I want you to say it out loud, to text that number and say that you've given your life to Jesus today so that we can partner with you. We can help you in this journey. We can disciple you and just keep showing you the love of God and what he wants for your life. But come on, thank you guys so much for coming this morning. We're going to head back into a song of worship. So why don't you guys stand? Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.